0: Welcome to the Stiano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Stiano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specialising in breast and body contouring. One testing, we're on, we're on. So, I thought I didn't have much to talk about today, but I've got lots of questions, which is fantastic. Uh, I thought I was just going to talk about one thing, and then I've got loads of questions, but as ever, if anyone's got any questions, then please do um, ask away. (coughs) Excuse me. I'm going to get straight right into this, because if you want to know what this is, this is what it is. It's a live Q&A with me, um, Jonathan Stiano consultant plastic surgeon what's that how often do i do it every tuesday at 7pm and what i'd like you to do is comment and share if you've got any questions comment away or uh, ask away and uh... share with your friends i guess or whoever you share things with so um... we've got uh... we've got quite a few questions aujourd'hui Um i'm going to talk about this because i said i would um how we organize theater lists because the thing that brought this up is because someone had to wait a long time yesterday for theater which is something i try and avoid doing these days I tr- we try and bring you in um quite uh, don't leave you waiting on the ward when you're having surgery you know we admit you i'm not making this very clear uh we try to admit you and then do the surgery quite soon after you get admitted rather than leaving waiting a long time remember my dad had surgery and he they him in at like seven o'clock in the morning and then they operated on it for four o'clock in the afternoon and it was um really bad he's diabetic and everything as well it was bad he should be anyway um so we try to avoid that but um sometimes it's it, people do have to wait and so i wanted to wait yesterday i feel bad about it she was fine with it and i said i'd talk about it tonight and she's like I understand everything but anyway I have said I said I'd talk about it so I better talk about it so I'm gonna talk about it so this is me talking about it um, so you might think why do we do that why do we have to keep people waiting on the ward for hours why do you just bring them in a couple of hours before the operation and the reason why we do that is um, because the way the lists are organized now if it's a local anesthetic list if it's a list where it's just me or the surgeon and they're doing local anesthetic you can bring people in just before the procedure talk to them and then do the procedure it's no problem at all so you shouldn't really have to wait that long if it's a local anesthetic list the problem comes with it's a general anesthetic list if it's a general anesthetic list and there's a theater time there's a theater team and there's an anesthetist involved that's a different thing because what we do is we normally chat to you before the surgery there may be some other things um hi shona there may be some other things we need to do um the um uh, we chat to you, maybe we need to do some photos, maybe may need to do consent. The anaesthetist will need to speak to you, so there's some things we need to do before um, we take you to theatre. And when there's a list with multiple patients, what the most efficient way of doing it is by bringing everybody in. Um, and then we, me and the anaesthetist will see everybody and then we go to theatre, we don't come out again. Um, if you stagger the list and sometimes we do stagger the list and it's marginal whether we should have done on on uh whenever it was monday um but but because it, it, if someone's going to be waiting a long time you can stagger the list you can ask them to come in at say midday if they're not going to have their surgery till two two or three o'clock the problem with doing that is if we go to theater at eight o'clock in the morning and we haven't seen that patient that's coming in the midday what we have to do is we have to come out of theater and then go and see them mark you know draw on them Um, talk to them and then come back into theatre. Whereas when we're in theatre, we normally send for the next patient before we finish the operation. So as we come towards the end of the operation, we'll say send for the next patient because the porter has to go and get the next patient, get them checked in, do all their checks, bring them to the anaesthetic room. And that can be happening while we're still finishing the last patient. If we have to do that halfway through the list, there's a delay in the list. Uh, the list sort of stops while me and the anaesthetist go out because usually there's only one surgeon one anaesthetist if there's if there's a few of you um, like in the NHS often you have a team of people and lots of other doctors involved and one of the other doctors could go and see the patient then you could do it that way Um, but in the private sector it's very much consultant led so it's usually just a consultant anaesthetist consultant surgeon Um, and so it's much more efficient to see everybody before you start the list Um, and then the way we structure the list is Uh, Well, personally, um, I try and I usually do the smaller list, uh, smaller cases first, because that way you're uh, for two reasons. First of all, you're leaving people waiting less if you do the quicker cases first, and then you leave the longer cases to the end. Also, if you've got a longer case, you really don't want to be doing another surgery after the long case. So you try and do, or I try and do, the smaller cases first, and then to try and minimise the wait time. So if you've got two one-hour operations and one three-hour operation rather than doing the three hour one first in which case the other two have to wait three hours or one has to wait four hours you do the two one-hour ones so then one person has to wait one hour one person has to wait two hours need a graph of this reading <laughs> that's clear um anyway that's that's the reason so sometimes you do have to wait but as i say it was marginal on monday whether we should have staggered it a bit but um because I do feel a bit bad about the weight, uh, especially in this heat and everything. But that's why we do it. We're not trying to be mean. We're not trying to keep so you, know, you keep you waiting for hours. But it does make a, the list run much more efficiently if we see everyone before we start. But if you have got an all-day list, I think there is an argument to say to bring some of the people in later. Um, right, thanks, Jenny. You get it. Right, <laughs> okay. Um, so I uh, thought I'd explain myself. Um right so um we've also got am i going to do this in order i'm going to do it in order here we go how to reduce swelling after liposuction and tummy tuck so basically i think this is two separate things but i think they're linked together so liper one of the big things about liposuction and i see this all the time i had a patient the other day who, um, who had some surgery and you know there is always swelling liposuction is quite traumatic uh liposuction looks quite benign because the incisions are quite small and you think oh i can't see that you've had anything done from a scar point of view but it is quite traumatic i don't know if you've ever seen it i'm sure it's all over youtube if you want to see it um but it is quite a traumatic thing. So you do get quite a lot of swelling afterwards so sometimes they have to try and you know manage the expectations of patients and to speak to patients beforehand to make it clear that when you have liposuction sometimes it can look the same or maybe even worse than what it looked like before you think oh my lord i spent all this money on liposuction look at me i'm looking worse than how i look pre-op um, that is obviously swelling and the swelling will go down right? you know what you had before was fat and the fat won't but well, it will go down if you lose weight but it's not going to go down on its own so um there is swelling after liposuction um how you reduce swelling now uh compression is good if it's an area where you can compress so for instance is on your hips your your thighs you can wear a compression garment on your chest like male chest particularly you can wear a compression garment so so on those areas where you can get compression compression can be good Um, some areas it's more difficult to um, uh, get uh, compression uh, uh, around the knees and things it can be difficult because you have to wear quite long garments uh, so it can be difficult particularly if you're crossing a joint with a garment it can make the garment quite uncomfortable um but compression is good um the main thing I say to people is it is traumatic and it is going to swell and compression can manage that but you have to admit you know you have to accept that your body has been knocked about a bit and there will be swelling and it will subside some people talk about heat or ice to help with the to help the swelling um you have to be a bit careful with that because when you've done liposuction often the sensation sensitivity is altered uh in that it can feel a bit weird feel a bit strange so you've got to be a bit careful putting certainly putting hot and cold on it because it can um you can burn the skin without knowing it because sensation can be altered so just if you are going to use anything cold wrap it in a towel and things like that and just put your hand down there to check the skin's getting are not getting too cold i don't particularly recommend those things i think the main thing is rest elevation if it's on something that you can elevate um going about the tummy tuck uh i think this is particularly and this is a someone's just asked on facebook but also someone asked me this morning about this about um the tummy tuck in this weather what do you do in this weather and it is a bit of a nightmare in this weather you know having surgery and compression and you know things are going to swell and how do you manage that in this weather? And it's really difficult. Uh, <laughs> uh, I haven't got any good answers to that. And I think I think the compression does help. So certainly for a tummy tuck, I think uh, the garment does help um, for for um for 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 reducing the swelling of that area. The um the uh when you're having breast surgery. Uh, I often use tapes on that and can give you a bra. The bra is sort of like a garment, but you can avoid wearing the bra to start with. Or sometimes people will like wearing the bra on top. Um, I I mean, I would just say, you know, I think the compression garment is good. So I think maybe what they're saying to me is, do you not have to wear the compression garment? I think you should carry on with the compression garment, really, um, because I think it does help with the swelling. But you can take it off for periods of time. And also the rest of your clothes, you can, you know, maybe not wear much else. Um, i think it is good to let it take it off every now and to let your skin breathe you don't want to get hot and sweaty and get rashes and what have you um but i think uh, i think cool cool stuff can help like ice as i say but wrapped in um wrapped in tea towels i haven't really got any good answers for this question i did say I could for. <laughs> what's a good thing to do in this weather i don't know air conditioning um it's just a bit difficult in this weather to have surgery i think and i think you just have to manage the compression as well as you can i not answer that very well am i um yeah just manage the compression as well as you can but persevere with compression um and and as i say it swells with everybody it's going to swell a bit and uh just accept that it will swell and you just have to manage that as, as well as you can you're going to get to the same end point it's just getting getting you there in the most comfortable way hmm. okay I hope that's been helpful feel free to comment if it hasn't been helpful and come back at me come back at me make me, make me answer it better um next next make self-harm scores um we get this a lot we've got someone this weekend uh this week who's got um this issue and um this is tricky and the uh, the patient that's got in touch recently has got some well healed, obviously very old self-harm scars from a different put a different period in their life um and you know now there's a job and everything and want something done about it and um it's really difficult and it's really difficult to do this is this sort of goes back to scar revision really what can you do to revise a scar because as surgeons we just give scars um and the scars that this patient has got they've got some scars in the lower part some scars in the upper part of the arm certain the scars in the lower part of the arm are just well healed they're faded they're good scars as scars go the problem is the stigma attached with the orientation of the scar and the you know if you have multiple scars uh in a sort of transverse orientation you know on the on the you know the inner aspect of your in in of your wrist um it's it's associated with self-harm and so surgically um the scars higher up are a bit stretched they haven't been treated so often the self-harm scars people don't go to doctors or don't go to the hospitals to have them treated and just put a dressing on them so they often end up a bit wide this one, these are a bit puffy when you bend the arm it puffs out a bit um, so they, the the more proximal ones we could revise by making them less wide less stretched maybe less puffy when you move your arm but there will still be a scar it might be a better scar but there'll still be a scar and the stigma might still be there probably the best thing for and it'll be a fresh scar as well which will then take you know six 12 months for it to settle probably the best thing really the best answer i've got which um, may or may not be a good answer is, is camouflage makeup cosmetic camouflage makeup which is great for a lot of things because these scars are flat they're not raised uh, and they're actually good scars and um, the problem with cosmetic camouflage makeup it can be a bit uncomfortable to wear again in this weather it can be a bit grim because it can be hot and it can you know be uncomfortable um so it may not be a long-term solution it may not be an everyday solution but if you're going out or if you're doing something where it's important to you to to have it covered up i think that's probably the best option and surgically as i say it's for for a well healed pale thin scar it's hard to make that better with surgery if it's wide if it's bulging if it's lumpy there are things we can do to help with those things Uh, but often certainly after a few years these scars have settled and matured and it's very hard to do anything about it people think to take them off and skin graft and things skin grafts don't look good um they really don't look good i think people have a perception that skin graft looks like normal skin it doesn't and it's not really a good option for these multiple self-harm um scars and i i don't think that's a good option and it, i think that would potentially look worse having a skin graft on your forearm uh, because it is a cosmetically sensitive area so there's no real good um good options for self-harm scars and it's really just um covering it up if if you can um with make cosmetic makeup i think it's probably the best option uh which is not something we really, we really do at the clinic i think you'd have to but you could give us a room um then Uh, this might have an idea about where to go for that but um yeah that's you have to seek help elsewhere for well that's come out big why does that come out big and other small sun protection and scars um so in well sun protection full stop forget scars is very important and we tend to think of it in this time of year and we make sure our children have got sun uh cream on and we um make sure we've got sun cream on this time of year but um uh donetta's in the house hi donetta um i guess what those are those are what those are eyes are they are saying i'm looking around um so sun protection and scars um so um yeah well sun protection anyway i think we all need to look out for sun protection and we need to really um for some reason some protection hasn't really caught on um I don't know if i've spoken about this before but there's a lot of things that have caught on um we brush our teeth every day don't we twice a day that's really caught on well i'm really impressed with how the um drink driving or lack of drink driving that's really caught on really well um smoking in public places you know that's plastic bags there's a lot of things that are caught on um and that we've sort of embraced as a society, but sun protection isn't one of them. I don't really know how we get things to catch on, but it's quite impressive how these other things have caught on, but sun protection hasn't. Sun protection is really important, and we really should be thinking about sunblock um, really on a daily basis, not just when it's sunny, not just when you get worried about getting you know sunburnt. Um, we should really be protecting our skin uh, from the sun's radiation all the time um but it's not really something that we do is it so sun protection is important all the time but particularly some protection scars which is what this is asking about so ask the question okay all right calm down um so um some protection scars. got to be careful with scars when they're red and active so scars are red and active is variable how long it takes scars to fade i normally say to people scars start to fade around three months they can take six to 12 18 months Than to fade. That's what I sort of say as a general term for any scar anywhere. um, Some parts of the body scar better than others. The face tends to scar well. The back and the leg don't scar quite so well. So there are certain locations which don't which scar better than others. But as a general rule, things start to settle and fade around three months. But it can take longer some to eight months 10 months are still very red and active and while it's red and active while the scar is still red if you get a tan on that scar it will pick up the tan and it won't lose the tan so you'll end up with a pigmented scar so your your rest of your body will lose the tan but the scar won't so don't get sun on don't get a tan on your scar while it is red and active is the basic advice so that means where you've got an active scar which is up to the first sort of six maybe even 12 months after the surgery don't get a tan on it so sunblock which means sun protection or tape or clothing cover it up just don't get a tan on it um and um you should be fine so yeah so i mean i saw someone today didn't i yes i did to myself Uh, who is going on holiday in a couple of weeks i think he's going on holiday anyway he's got this thing that would have left the scar and you know wanted to get done before and i'm like I think you're better off going on a holiday, enjoy your holiday, get a tan, you can do whatever you want, play at the beach and everything, and then come back after your holiday and get it done because it's just going to be a real pain if you've got a red scar and you're worried about it and you put tape over it and then you get a suntan mark with a tape and it, so you go in the sea and the tape falls off and you oh my God, you're swimming and worried I get a tan. So yeah, this time of year is not a good time of year for sun, for lesions on the face and things like that because you've got to worry about the sun uh, on them um but if you do have a scar at this time of year and it's red and active don't get a tan on it cover it up or sunblock or tape buonasera anna good to see you um always good to see you here um what we got now we got a question about vaso liposuction that's another big one don't know why they come out big sometimes can't answer that i don't make the font sizes i'm not in charge of font sizes i like the big I'm liking the big. um Vasa. So we've had, I don't know what, we had some questions. That's a funny face, isn't it? I don't know. Anyway, we had some questions about Vasa this week. I say some. I think we've had more than one, have we? I don't really know. Vicky told me about some. Anyway, I've got no reason to disbelieve her. Um, we get periodically questions about Vasa. People are asking about Vasa. Now, the bottom line is I don't do Vasa. So I'm very happy to talk about it, but I don't do it. And I think this is one of the things this leads on to a wider thing about talking about things that you don't do, which exists. So I do tell people about Vasa. It's a bit like polyurethane implants. People don't talk about polyurethane implants because they don't do them. I think everyone should be told about things, whether or not they do them. In fact, It's good medical practice. It's something we're advised to do. We need to tell patients all the options, whether or not we do those options. So VASA is an option for liposuction. There's different types of liposuction. Uh, VASA is one type. Uh, It is an an assisted form of liposuction, liposuction assisted with ultrasound. And the ultrasound energy sort of um, provides energy to the fat which destroys the fat before it is sucked out with the liposuction. And the good thing about vasa is that because the ultrasound is destroying the fat before sucking it out, you can use a smaller cannula. So the cannulas are smaller with vasa. You can often do it under a local anesthetic, maybe with sedation, but you can you can do it's it's sort of less traumatic because as I say, the cannula is smaller. And because it heats up the fat, they do say that it causes some degree of skin retraction which is a good thing for for areas like the tummy. So Vaser is a good thing um, in those terms. I don't do it. The reason being that number one, I haven't really seen the need for it. I think if you speak to doctors who do a lot of VASA, um, they will tell you that probably you can do anything with Vaser. You know, you can do things with, oh, how can I put this? Uh, anything you can do with VASA, you can do with normal liposuction, I do normal liposuction i do what's called power assisted liposuction which means the machine moves backwards and forwards Um, but it's basically tumescent or power assisted liposuction it's uh, not and it's not assisted by um, uh, ultrasound or any other sort of energy device there's also laser assisted liposuction which isn't vaser a bit confusing laser's ultrasound laser assisted is stuff like smart lipo they sort of provide energy to the fat before you suck it out I don't do them because I don't feel the need to do them because I think I can get as good results with power assisted liposuction. Although I have to say that they do say that it causes some skin retraction. So certainly for the tummy, some areas like the tummy and the inner thighs, um, I'm a bit more reluctant to do liposuction because it doesn't give that skin retraction. That's where sort of tummy tucks and thigh lifts come in. Um, But vaser might help and i normally say to people look at people who do vaser look at their before and after photos see if you think that they can give you the result you want because that might be an option so you could argue that i should be doing it if it does help those areas but i i don't and i don't offer it because we don't have the machine i think machine costs a lot of money and as i say i can get the results i i need with a power assisted liposuction and i think there is an element of sort of marketing in terms of the vaser, I think. And it, and it obviously works because a lot of people inquire to us, say, oh, you know, they think it's good. and I don't think it isn't good, but it's not something we do. But it, it says you need to seek someone who does it. And I think it has got good, some good things about it. But look at some before and afters to see if you're going to use it specifically for things like the skin tightening. Just look to see if it's enough to, to warrant it, because in um, my experience, you can do a lot with power assisted liposuction and arguably you can do as much with power assisted as you can with vaser although obviously the people who make vaser might disagree with that um so you better see them because they they you know you know you could argue i'm giving a biased opinion because i don't use it i'm trying not to trying to give you a level opinion but um yeah that's the answer look at people who do vaser and it's certainly something that's out there and something on offer so it's something to take into consideration if you think you're having liposuction it's a thing answer that let's go be light right patient has inquired this are this evening this evening recently not that long ago and she's asked about be light implants and um be light implants are implants i've got the i've got it at the clinic they're they're um they're lighter 30 percent lighter than standard implants and they're new and they're great and i think they're a really good thing um and it's something that we spoke about years ago there was it was talked about years ago making an implant that's lighter and um it was on the um i was on the advisory panel of a one of the implant manufacturers at the time and um all the surgeons there were surgeons from all over the world there and we all said really good idea fantastic idea and now it's here be light implant so i think it's a really good idea um and if anyone wants to consider them they're welcome to come and we can talk about it um this patient um said i can't remember what she said now but she was asking about what experience we've got and how many we've done and what have you we haven't done any um so you might think Uh, (laughs) oh i have been offering them for a while um but i don't really push them to be honest with you Um, and the reason I don't push them is because they're new and I've written a blog post about this and unfortunately, not unfortunately, you know, you find doctors are quite risk averse and we quite worry about new things. And, uh, because are new, we don't, you know, really know what the benefit will be. They're more expensive than normal implants. So there is a cost implication because they are quite expensive, uh, quite a bit more expensive than a, than a standard implant. And I feel that the real benefit will come in for the bigger sizes, I think that's where really the really the benefit comes in. We don't tend to do like the really big sizes, really, at the clinic. We really tend to see more people who have maybe lost weight, people who had children, mums, with children, things like that, unhappy with the breast, they want something more in proportion rather than doing the sort of really big uh, implant sizes. So that's not something that we see a lot of at the clinic. So maybe that's why I don't really I don't really know why we haven't done any. I'm I'm happy to do them. But uh, as I say, I don't really push them um, because it is new and because you always worry with new, any new technology. Um, I mean, it's got a CE mark. It's approved to be used in this country. Um, but as I say, I guess the main things are it's expensive and it's really for the bigger sizes that it comes in. For the smaller sizes, the benefit, I think, is a bit more marginal, uh, I think. But, you know, really, it's, again, up to giving patients choice. Um but again they're there very they exist and there's something that you could consider if you thought it might be beneficial to you uh but i said i'd talk about it here just because someone was inquiring earlier and i think it looks bad when you say you haven't done any um but i've got no qualm we know we're not going to sort of try and tell people we've done stuff when we haven't or that we do this or that um be very open and honest about what we do we mainly do breast um surgery at the clinic breast and body is the most of the surgery so we do a lot of implants um and b lights are out there whether they're going to take on and be really um popular in the future i don't know but i think at the moment you'll find a lot of plastic surgeons are a bit Ooh. um you know i talked to my colleagues and i think we're all a bit a bit anxious about them to be honest with you um and map might come through when patients talk about it you might find that we're more comfortable talking about the implants we've been using for the last 10 years you know if you've been using implants for the last 10 god i don't even want to think maybe even 20 years and you you know you're familiar with them then a new implant comes in do you really want to start um, working with them unless there's a significant uh, benefit I think you'll find that a lot of us are a bit risk averse um, so again I think it's about advising patients letting patients do the research and just offering things and if they think it's right for them then that's fine so I thought I had loads of questions that's it I'm out i'm out of questions I've been, i thought i'm gonna get through these really quickly because i'm gonna be all night but um that's it i hope i answered them all right i don't know did i have to look back on that reflect some tricky questions tonight i gotta to say how do you manage swelling in this heat that's a tricky one come on what else do you have the self-harm scars really hard i feel like i have doing... Need to get, I don't know if I've answered them very well, but i try my best. I can do no more. I um, hope that's been helpful. Uh, we're going to have dinner now. So I'm going to check out now, checking out, and I'm going to, yeah, without further ado, I'll see you next week, 7 o'clock. Any questions, get them in. Uh, maybe do a bit more research next time and answer, answer those ones better. Um, oh, someone's coming. And I will see you next week, seven o'clock. Bye. You just missed it. Have a question not covered in today's show? Then send it over to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag #AskJJ. We'd love to hear from you.